Well, hey everyone, I'm Pastor Judd Wilhite, and I wanna thank you for joining us today. You know, Central's a place where it's okay to not be okay. And we are so glad that you're here. I hope you enjoy this message. Good, good morning, you guys. Good to see you today. So this last week, I think it was on Tuesday, my wife, Lori, said something that I have never said in my entire life. We're sitting there, 8 p.m., and she sits up and she goes, oh my goodness, I forgot to eat today. She says, I just had a little bagel this morning. I've got to go eat something. And I just looked at her like, I mean, do any of you ever forget to eat? Let me, let me see the people that forget. You guys are amazing. Like, I don't understand you. I, I wake up and my first thought is about coffee and then it's about breakfast and then it's about second breakfast. Then it's about lunch. Then it's about snack time. Then it's about dinner. Then it's about pre-bed snack. That's why no matter how much I work out, I'm always going to have a little bit of this going on because I love to eat. I'm thinking about it all the time. I don't relate to people that forget to eat, but I do relate to people like Barbara. Check this out. I saw this uh, picture of a little plaque on a bench. It says for Barbara, who was awful when hungry, but otherwise pretty solid. <laughs> who, who are my Barbaras? Let me see, let me see my Barbaras. I'm, I'm with you there. I'm right there with you. Like, I don't forget to eat, but if I don't eat, I forget to be human. You know, like that's a whole other thing. Um, and we have a word for that, right? We call it hangry. You get hungry, you get angry, you're hangry. You know, like I get hangry. So when I get hangry, like, like I get negative, I get cynical, I, I get short, I get impatient. I start talking to inanimate objects, you know, like, like it's just, it's not good. And I can start to feel like, you know, everything's going downhill, everything's hopeless, everything's terrible. You know, then I eat and I'm like, ah, oh, so much better. I don't do well when I'm hangry. You know, we live in a world where it feels like a lot of people are hangry. If you've driven down the 95 freeway, you realize people are ticked off. They got, they're impatient, they're angry, they got stuff going on, they got places that they need to be. Like, people are facing some stuff. And it would be easy to just kind of reduce it to like, hey, inflation or economic problems or, uh, you know, pressures in their family life or work pressures in their life. But I want to suggest to you today that I think people are hangry because our culture fundamentally is spiritually malnourished. We're starving spiritually and it starts coming out in all kinds of ways you know it was augustine who said centuries ago we have a god-shaped void in our hearts and only god can fill it and i see i look around and in our culture we're trying to fill that void with everything right we try to fill it with with fame we try to fill it with pleasure or adventure or romance or love or sex drugs and rock and roll or fill in the blank right we we cram all the things in but without god he's the only one that can really settle your restless heart he's the only one that can really give you peace in your life and so when we're spiritually hangry it's going to come out in anger and impatience and frustration frustration and hopelessness. It's going to come out in mental health challenges. It's going to come out in depression and anxiety and sleeplessness and all of the kind of effects that happen when we're spiritually hangry. We see it 
all the time. But I want to suggest today that it is possible to not only be filled up personally, but also to help fill others up and to pass on the love that's been shown to you. Mother Teresa said this. She said, the greatest disease in the West today is not TB or leprosy. It is being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. And so the poverty in the West, she says, is a different kind of poverty. It's not only a poverty of loneliness, but also of spirituality. There is a hunger for love, and there is a hunger for God. And I think that's where a lot of people are in our lives. The good news today I'm gonna to share with you is, hey, you can keep going because God will keep giving. He'll give you strength, he'll give you purpose, he'll give you what you need to keep going and not only be filled personally, but help others be filled. And to do that, I wanna look at a famous story in the Bible. It's called the story of the loaves and the fishes. It's a miracle story, but listen, it's the only miracle story of Jesus that's recorded in all four gospels. So it's significant enough that it, it makes it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're gonna look at Mark's version today. Um, Jesus' disciples, they, they basically have just come back from this uh, first ministry trip. They're excited to be back. They're reconnecting. They're tired, and they're trying to get away to a private place to rest. And as they do, they notice that there's these huge crowds. And so Jesus begins to teach this crowd, and, and uh, he has compassion on the people. And somewhere in the afternoon, people are like, the disciples are like, Jesus, man, you gotta, you gotta feed these people. Like, send them home. When are we gonna wrap this up? And um, this is what Jesus says to them. But Jesus said, you feed them. Now help me out here. He says, look at this. With what? You see that? Let's try that again. One, two, three. With what? You feed them with what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all of these people. So they're looking out at all these people. Now, what we learn in Mark is that the amount of people is actually thousands. There's 5,000 men and their families. So this could have been like T-Mobile Arena, people. It's gonna be like 18,000 people. You could have been at a Knights game, you know, and this is like, it's a lot of people. Also fascinating, I was in Israel last year and they were talking about some different uh, studies and experiments that have been done on uh, areas around the Sea of Galilee and other kind of um, geographical areas where it's fascinating, certain natural amphitheater environments could allow the human voice, unmiked, to be heard by thousands of people. They've proven this crazy, right? Here's Jesus speaking to thousands of people, and his disciples are like, how are we going to feed them? And Jesus says, you do it. And they're like, with what? You ever had a with what kind of moment? In other words, the disciples were in a place where the expectations that were placed on their life were greater than they had the ability to meet in their own strength and power. Some of you are here right now and you've got some expectations on your life. Either other people have put them there or you've put them there. And for some of you, if you're honest, you'd say the expectations that you're facing are greater than your power to meet. Like you can't do them in and of your own strength and power. You can't meet these expectations. And I want to suggest that maybe you're in that place today because God has specifically allowed you or even placed you into a space where the expectations placed on you are bigger than what you can accomplish on your own. Why? Because we're going to see that's where the disciples are. Jesus sets them up in this moment. He's like, you feed them, you take care of them. They're like, dude, with what? And we're gonna find that when we come to the end of ourselves, that's when we get to experience God moving and working and providing for us in those moments.
So, a couple quick thoughts for how we can spiritually fill up and also fill others. And the first is simply this, keep going. Just keep going. I uh, heard about a guy, he said to his girlfriend, he said, hey, um, I'm gonna take you somewhere really expensive tonight. And uh, she's like, oh, cool. So nighttime comes, she gets all dressed up already, and he takes her to the grocery store. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, you know, that's how it feels, right? Your target is a dangerous place now. You know, it does feel like things have gotten more expensive. We're all trying to navigate financial pressures. And so you're, you're, you know, you're wrestling with that pressure in your life. It may feel like there's just not enough, or you may feel like there's just not enough energy. If you have little kids, like I saw this image, I thought it was kind of funny. It's this bathroom door and little fingers are coming under the door like a horror movie. It says bathroom break, they will find you, right? There's, there's nowhere you can go. You can't escape. This is where Jesus' disciples are. They just want to break. They just want to recoup. They just want to feel like, man, they could, they could let their hair down, if you will, for a minute. And instead, there's all these people, and now Jesus is telling them to feed them. And so Jesus has to like break it down for them, for them to understand. So here's what he says next. Mark's chapter six, verse 38. It says, uh, Jesus asked his disciples, how much bread do you what? Do you have? He asked. Go and find out. And they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. I mean, that's pretty meager. And we learned in another gospel account that basically there's a kid, he had five loaves, two fish, he was willing to offer them up. And so that's all they, all they have. But I want you to notice, Jesus doesn't tell his disciples, he doesn't ask them how many people are here, right? He doesn't ask them to determine how overwhelming the need is. Instead he says, what do you have? What do you have? I think a lot of times when we're overwhelmed, we're looking at all the needs of the world, the needs of our neighbors, the needs of our workplace, the needs of our family, right? All the things around us can feel overwhelming. That's not necessarily the best place to put our focus. But you put your focus on what God has actually given you, now you can actually do something in your little corner of the world. What do you do? What the disciples did is they took the little they had, five loaves, two fishes, and they offered them to God. And then Jesus did the miracle of multiplication. Look at this, Mark chapter six, verse 41. It says, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept what? He kept giving. See, God is a God who loves to give and he will keep on giving. That's why you can keep going. He kept giving the bread to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. So there's more and more and more and more bread. It just keeps coming. And so the disciples just keep sharing until all the people are fed. I wanna suggest that this isn't a miracle story about some nice thing Jesus did 2,000 years ago. This is a story about what God loves to do in our lives today, if we'll allow him. He'll take our little and he'll multiply it and he'll give us more than we ever imagined. And he'll give it to us so that we can also bless others and provide for them. In fact, um, I think a lot of times, you know, we can be tempted to look at things like, like a realist. I mean, if you're a, how many, who are my realists here today? Any, any, I'm, I'm kind of a realist sometimes, like I could frame up reality, you know, like this is how things are, this is, have a pretty good picture on that. And a realist would look at the situation in Mark and say, well, there's five loaves, there's two fish, and it's T-Mobile Arena. It's not enough, duh, right, you know? Um, and I get that, like there's wisdom. In, in having a realistic perspective on things. But what I've found in my own life as a 
kind of a realist, is that sometimes my realism actually masks sort of a closeted pessimism. And that pessimism starts shutting me down to new opportunities. That pessimism starts shutting me down to what God could do. It starts closing me off to the fact that I serve a supernatural God who's generous and who can provide and who can show up and work in my life. And so while realism can be good, we gotta be careful that realism becomes pessimism, right? So you got five loaves and two fish, or you know you got 500 and bills coming in and you got $300, <laughs> not enough. Or you know you got kids. Not enough. And, um, you know, like, you know, you're in a relationship. You don't know if it's working. You don't have the emotional strength, the energy to keep pushing forward. It just feels like, like not uh, enough. You're looking at your work situation, at your life situation, everything. It just feels like five loaves, two fish, not enough. But here's the thing. That's the view of frustration. That's the view of pessimism. And pessimism doesn't really serve you well, spiritually or personally in your life. And the research shows this. You look at the most successful people, you look at people that have, from even a worldly perspective, had the most success, almost to a person, they're optimists. They believe things are possible. They believe they can overcome difficulties. They believe they can push through boundaries. They believe better days are ahead. And as a person of faith, have you ever thought about this? How can we be followers of Jesus and be pessimists? Because God is good and he's in place and he's got power and he loves his kids and he moves and works and blesses and provides and takes care of them. How can we walk around pessimistic all the time when God is our God? So there's another way of looking, and this is what the story teaches us, the way of faith. There's five loaves and two fishes times Jesus. Come on, somebody. So you only got five loaves and you only have two fish, but you also have Jesus. And when you have Jesus, you have more than enough. And this is a perspective of faith that looks at my problems, that looks at my life and realizes I'm not alone. I'm not the last voice in the equation. I'm not the final decider in the situation. I don't have to go through everything in my own strength and in my own power because I believe Jesus will provide and he is more than enough. That's what Jesus teaches his disciples. You only have five loaves and two fish, give them to me. And then what does Jesus do? He blesses the bread, he breaks it, and then he multiplies it. It's kind of the same thing he often does in people. He'll take people, he'll bless them, he'll break them of their sin and their selfishness and their rebellion, and then he'll release them to multiply their impact on the world. C.H. Spurgeon once said that if you look not only through the Bible but through history, you'll notice that God often uses the people the most that he breaks the most. And after going through the heartache and the breaking and the pain, they're now prepared to be used at an even greater level to make an impact on the lives of others. Listen, somebody needs to hear this today. You are loved by a generous God who always keeps on giving to his kids. Some of you are like, how am I gonna get to next week? Because God will keep on giving. 
How am I going to have patience to deal with my kids? Because God will keep on giving. How am I going to deal with my work situation or rebuild my business? Well, God will keep on giving. How am I going to come out of this bankruptcy? Because God is going to keep on giving. How am I going to repair my relationships? Because God will keep on giving. How am I going to have enough in retirement? Because God will keep on giving. How am I going to finish this degree? Because God will keep on giving. How am I going to perform at work? Because God will keep on giving. How am I going to keep leading? God will keep on giving. How am I going to keep going? God will keep on giving. He will keep on giving. And because he'll keep on giving, you can keep going. Listen, you can keep on loving because he keeps giving. You can keep on encouraging because he keeps giving. You can keep on sharing with others because God keeps giving. Now, the disciples didn't get it all up front. They had to bring the little they had, five loaves, two fish. And then the miracle was in God doing what they could never do in and of themselves. I mean, it'd be awesome to be like, yeah, you know, God's going to do a miracle. And all of a sudden, all these 18 wheelers pull up with food and bread and everything free, donated to you by your heavenly father. Awesome. And then you just like give it out of the back of the truck. But there's no miracle really in that moment. There's just like distribution. What Jesus is doing is supernatural and he can do it in our lives as well. Just keep going. And then if you keep going, another principle is you'll keep growing. You'll keep growing. So I had a moment this week. We're having some work down at our house. A couple guys are in the house, and they left the front door open so they could come in and out. I was upstairs, and uh, I hear this voice. This guy goes, hey, sir, sir. I come out kind of from upstairs, and he goes, hey, there's, um, is this your dog? And I look, I look, and in my dining room, no joke, is a huge German shepherd. Like, sniffing around my dining room. I thank God my little dog wasn't down there, you know. But, but he's like, you know, he's kind of distracted in the moment. Now, I just had a friend the night before text me um, who was walking their dog in the park, little dog, and a dog not on a leash attacked him and bit him five times. He had to go to the emergency room, get shots, do the whole thing. And so we had been texting the night before. Now I'm walking down the stairs, right? And I'm like... This is a German shepherd. I don't even say one of those dogs that if you say the wrong German word, it kills you, you know? Like, I don't know. I don't know what kind of training this dog. You know those dogs, right? You know the ones. Uh, you don't know what, you don't know where they, where they are, but you know they're out there. You know, it's like, whatever that German word is, it's like, now you die. You know, like, okay. So I see this dog. I go down and I'm like, hey, hey, buddy. You know? <laughs> And, when he, and he was distracted, and then he looked up, and he saw me, and you could tell pretty soon, like, I was ready to run, you know, like, but you could tell he's friendly, because, you know, his tail's wagging, and he's like, oh, people, you know, he's one of those dogs, right, you know, like, everybody's my buddy, you know, like, so he comes right at me, like, hey, so I pet him, and I look on his collar, and his name's Harley, I'm like, hey, what's up, Harley, and he's got a little phone number there, so I call it, and um, it's actually my neighbor right next door, <clears throat> they, uh, this was their dog, and uh, so, you know, I was able to, like, take Harley by the, by the collar and walk him out. They didn't even know that he had gotten out. And I'd take him over next door and give him to the neighbor. It was all good. And said goodbye. And, of course, it's kind of fun now because sometimes Harley barks. And now I know his name. You know, now we've, like, bonded. So I was out in the backyard, and he's like, rah, rah, rah. I'm like, Harley. <laughs> he's, like, totally quiet, right? He's like, what the heck? <laughs> they knew my name. Anyway. Um, I forgot what my whole point, oh, my whole point was. <laughs> I have a point. This is the point. 
my whole point was, <clears throat> um, sometimes we all need a little, sometimes we all get lost, right? <laughs> we need a little help getting back home. You know, sometimes we end up in the wrong living room, so to speak, and we, we, need, we need a little help getting back home. And, and have you ever thought about this? Like often the thing that God will use to help people find their way back home spiritually the most is other people, right? Other people. Other people that could come along and kind of spiritually guide us back to God and to faith and to life. God wants to use you and I, everyday people, to help others reconnect with him and experience the miracle of what he can do in their life. Look at the miracle that happened with the loaves and the fishes. Mark 6, 42, it says, they all ate as much as they wanted. So the whole people, everybody ate. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of what? Leftover bread and fish. Total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Now I want you to notice that Mark pulls this out, that it was the disciples that picked up the baskets, and they picked up 12 baskets of bread and fish, which he makes this note. It's kind of interesting because there were 12 disciples. So every disciple in the end gets a whole basket of extra loaves and fishes. So the disciples participated in the miracle, got to distribute the miracle, and then had even more abundance on the other side as a result of the miracle. When you surrender your life to God and allow God to use you in small and large ways, you not only get to be a part of somebody's spiritual journey, you get to be a part of the miracle. I want you to think about this. Sometimes you also get to participate in the abundance that comes on the other side of the miracle. You're not only blessed to give, you become blessed to receive as well. 12 baskets, one for each disciple. So how do we make a contribution with our life? Well, I, wanna, I want you to think about it maybe like this, just acting our, our spiritual age, if you will. Uh, and when I say age, this is what I mean. Age stands for abilities, gifts, and experiences. All of us have abilities. There's some, some of you that are amazing with people. Some of you are uh, so bright and intelligent. You can launch things. You can begin things. You can start things. Some of you are behind the scenes people. You just love to help others and serve others. Uh, some of you love to be on stages. Some of you love to be behind the scenes where nobody ever knows your name. But all of it is important. You have abilities, things that you can do. You also have gifts, spiritual gifts. The Bible says when you become a follower of Jesus and God's spirit, dwells within you, you receive spiritual gifts. Paul lists over 20 different spiritual gifts in the New Testament, and it's not exhaustive. I think there's even maybe more, but things like faith and leadership, uh, the spiritual gift of, of giving, of prophecy, of healing, of serving, of helps, a spiritual gift of helps. Hospitality is noted as a spiritual gift. Like, like some of you, man, somebody comes, they're new, they're not connected. You have the heart to like Learn who they are, meet them, make them feel at home, help them get connected. You have spiritual gifts. And then you have experiences. There are things that you've been through, pain that you've been through, difficulties, hardship, loss, you know, things that you're going through now that you don't even understand why you're going through it. But having gone through it, God can use that in your life to bring encouragement and hope to somebody else who's going through it. I mean, you know, there are Chiefs fans today um, who uh, won't understand, but there are 49ers fans 
who having lost the Super Bowl can now be so much more compassionate to Cowboys fans who've been doing this for 30 years. I'm just saying, it should humble you and change you, make you kinder. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse three says, God is our merciful father, the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. In all seriousness, you go through pain and hardship and difficulty, God can use that to bring comfort to others. And we'd love to help you do that. Um, we would love to see you get involved at some level through your church to be a part of the miracle of what God's doing in other people's lives and to help touch them and to experience the miracle in your own life. And I know some of you are super busy. You've got a million things going on, but we've got prayer teams. You can just pray for people. We've got online teams where you can offer hope and encouragement. We've got 24-hour church where you can help encourage people at any time, day or night, just by the phone. We've got all kinds of ministries where you can serve food, distribute food to those who are in need or encourage people when they come in or get involved in our, our me time for moms or be involved in women's ministry or men's ministry or group ministry or all the things that are going on, kids, students, every age group, so many things that are happening. And you could jump in, whether it's an hour a week, an hour a month, an hour a year. I want you to think about this. The person that needs to serve the most is you. A lot of times we think, well, I don't really need to serve because the church doesn't seem to need anything. You know, you look around and you're like, lots of church, big church, lots of people, they got everything covered. And some people, this is what they say. If somebody asks me, I'll serve. Like, you gotta ask me, pastor. You're gonna have to walk up to me and single me out and be like, hey, what's up? I need you to help out in this area. And I, I get that. But I wanna to suggest to you two things. One is the church does need you, and we do need you. And I would love for you to jump in, but more than that, you need it. Because that's how you start to grow spiritually. It doesn't have to happen through the church. It can happen anywhere. But we would love to help you facilitate it through the church and get, get connected. And so after experience, go out. We've got uh, everything set up in our lobby. If you want to join the team, get connected. We want to help find a way where your gifts and contributions can make an impact in the things that the church is doing, where you can participate in the miracle. So I was thinking this week about just a pivotal moment in my life. Uh, one, of the, this, one of the early churches that I was a pastor of when I was still in college, I uh, went through a lot of hardship and difficulty. And it was a church that had like 15 years of bad blood between some different families. And it kind of split down the middle. And these people just were attacking each other. They were, they were mean to each other. I'll tell you, Christians are some of the most loving, kind, amazing people. And they can also be mean. Like when it goes sideways, you know what I mean? Like it goes sideways. And I'll tell you, church hurt, like you don't want it. Like church hurt is is some bad hurt. It, it hits you at a soul level. It's, it, it can really mess you up. And so I'm walking through all this with these families and I'm really young in all of this and half the people leave the church and you know, I'm like such a mess and I'm, you know, I'm trying to get them to come back and they're like, hey, we love you, but we're not coming back because these people, you know, like, it was like that. What is it, the Hatfields and the McCoys or whatever back in there? I'm ready, for, you know, anyway. I'm sitting out on the front steps of this church, bawling my eyes out one day. Just, I felt like a total failure. I couldn't bring this church back together. I couldn't get people to get along. I couldn't get people to go the same direction. <laughs> couldn't get any, and I remember just saying like, 
well, obviously I'm not meant to do this. Like there's something else that I should do with my life. Because if I was meant to do this, it wouldn't be this much of a train wreck, you know? Like, I, you know, this is, and I was just really discouraged. I was ready to quit. I was actually making plans to do something else. And I remember I got back to college and I was, I was walking down the hall and this mentor of mine came up and he had heard some of the stuff that was going on in this church. And, and he's like, man, you know, I was, I don't know, 22 at the time. He's like, that's a lot to walk through when you're 22, you know, trying to lead all of this stuff. He goes, how are you doing? And I said, you know, I'm okay. But he could tell I was kind of getting cynical. I was burned out. I was, I was, you know, I was sort of like spiritually hangry, if you will. Like I really wasn't in a, in a good place. And I'll never forget, he looked at me and he goes, hey, listen. He goes, when you're an old man, then you can sit back and be cynical and burned out all you want. You can quit and give up and throw your hands up in the air. But right now the world needs you and the church needs you and people need you. And you just don't get to sit back and quit because it got hard. He's like, you got to get up and you got to push on. And he helped me do that. And it became a pivotal moment in my life. And I was thinking about it today. I just want to challenge you with the same message. You don't have the luxury of quitting, even though you may be discouraged, even though you may feel overwhelmed, even though you may be exhausted and hurt. Too many people need you. Listen, the world needs you. The church needs you. Your family needs you. Your friends need you. You have abilities and gifts and experiences that God wants to use in the lives of others. There are all the words that there are words that only you can say, and there's love that only you can give, and there's sacrifices only you can make, and there is strength that only you can share, and there is glory that only you can give to God who has a purpose for you in your life. Listen, one day you will be done making a difference. You can be old and cynical and burned out and dark, but that day is not today. That day is not today. Man, you're not dead yet. So you're not done yet. You gotta keep going and keep growing and take your little loaves and your little fishes and, and surrender them to God and allow Jesus to take them and bless them and break them and multiply them and keep working through you day in and day out. God has not stopped giving, which means you gotta keep going. Keep loving the people in your life. Keep encouraging the people in your life. Keep praying. Keep serving. Keep forgiving. Keep hanging on to hope and standing up in faith. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep thanking. Listen, God, this is how we participate in the miracle. This is where the joy is. This is where the growth is. This is where the love is. This is how we fight the good fight. This is how we stay spiritually full and satisfied so we don't get sidetracked with spiritual hanger. You know, around the same time all this was going on in my life, my parents sent me this card. And I found it recently. I've held on to it for almost like 30 years. And um, it was kind of emotional to find it again and pull it out and look at it. My parents have both passed years ago. And so this is what the card said. It said, Edmund Hillary stood at the edge of the stage. He made a fist and he pointed at a picture of the mountain. And he said in a loud voice, you beat me the first time, but I'll beat you the next time because you've grown all you're going to grow, but I'm still growing. And the next year, he succeeded in becoming the first man to climb Mount Everest. And I looked at that card and I thought, man, there's a lot of mountains in our lives, right? Some of you are facing mountains. But here's the deal. That mountain, it may not be growing, but you're still growing. That mountain doesn't get the last word because we're involved in God's math, 
which says, I got loaves and I got fishes, but I also have Jesus. And therefore I have more than enough. God isn't finished. He can move and he can work. As important as that message is, uh, what my dad wrote after that is something that is very short, but it means so much to me. He wrote, God first, family next, believe in yourself the way we believe in you. And I was at a moment in my life where I didn't believe in, any, in myself. I believe in God, but I didn't believe in, in, in that I could had much to share or offer or contribute. And you know, I, I prayed for you guys this week. I didn't know exactly who would be here, but I prayed for every one of you that would be here, that would be watching online, that would be joining us at different locations. And I really feel like part of what I'm supposed to share with you this week is simply this. God first. Family, next. Then the church as a body. Believe in yourself because I believe in you. And God believes in you. And God loves you. And God can use you. And I think part of why I'm here today and part of why you're here is for me to just have this moment, a gift to me really, to say to you, God isn't finished with you. And God wants to use you. And God can move powerfully through you. And I believe in you. And I need you to believe in you. I need you to believe in you. Some of you are limiting what God can do through you because your past, because your stuff, because your job. You know, we saw Sammy's story earlier on video, his life story. And Sammy's a great friend of mine. I was meeting with him a couple weeks ago. Sammy knows the Bible inside and out. It's impressive, his knowledge of the Bible. I said, Sammy, who taught you this? You don't just get this from like sitting on the couch reading. He didn't hesitate. He said, the lifers taught me. I said, what do you mean? He goes, the lifers in prison, man. He goes, they know the, they know the word, the followers of Jesus. And they've given themselves to mentor other people. They'll never get out, but they're going to make sure whoever does get out represents God and has his word stored in their heart and in their life. And he's not the first person I've heard this from. And the faith of lifers is at another level. But what I want to suggest to you is these are the people that could have stopped going and stopped growing. These are the people that could have given up, but instead they opened themselves up. And now God is using many people in prison to raise up and deploy whole generations when they leave prison, like Sammy, who are serving and giving back and making a difference in the lives of others. What can he do through you? Like, don't let your past disqualify you. In fact, your past may be the very thing that prepares you for your purpose, right? Your trouble, it can be your testimony, Right? Your mess, it could be your miracle. I got all the cliches. If you just open your heart, keep going, God's going to keep giving. Maybe some of you are here today and maybe you've never crossed that line of faith. And I'd love to give you that opportunity just to reach out to God, to ask him to move and work in your life. He loves you. He cares for you. I believe some of you, you're here right now today, not by accident, but because God puts you here. If that's where you're at, if he's tapping you on the shoulder, I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer to just open your heart to God and come home to him. So would all of you bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus today, you can begin that journey by repeating after me to say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. 
Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. And friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just to acknowledge you're going to trust God, you're going to follow him in your life. Make eye contact with me just to say you're going to commit to him. God bless you guys. Thank you. Reach out to him today. Thank you guys. Hands going up around the room. Thank you. Thank you. Just trust him in your life today. Thank you guys. Bless you guys. Thank you. God, we love you. I thank you for each person reaching out to you, trusting you today. I pray you show up powerfully in their life. Bring your hope. Bring your encouragement. Fill them with your love. Remind them of your grace and your goodness to us every day. And help them find your strength to keep going. God, we surrender our lives to you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe and review this podcast and connect with us on social media by following at Central Online. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Central. You can simply visit centralchurch.online slash give, and you can give a gift today. And thanks again for joining us on the Central Church Podcast.